Welcome to yeah. the Futile Podcast. And Futile Podcast. Yeah, I know. I I gotta get some more. You're a musician. I need to uh, get some. More, I need to get some more themes worked out. Um, I came up with this like three chord ditty that um, I had my brother work around a few times, and that's kind of been the theme. But I should uh, right. I should send some stuff. Send send some some send it your way and see if you can have any fun remix in it unfortunately i don't have like the stems or whatever the term is for for the components but i don't, I don't know man you, I, I don't have any shit so it's <laughs> like i just i just fuck around and hope it that it works be, out really might be fun who's to say <laughs> yeah why not okay cool um so tonight we got oliver and ian and we're going to talk about the mad max series um mad max mad max 2 the road warrior mad max beyond thunderdome sort of the um it's weird to call it a trilogy because, I mean, it definitely is a trilogy of sorts, but yeah. not in any kind of... The modern te- context of trilogy is so, like, thought out that it just doesn't... It didn't exist back then. And so, you know, the first one was popular enough, right. highly profitable, so they got a little more money and they made a second one. And right. then kind of the second one was even more popular and even more critically acclaimed. And so then they were able to make a third. And then they made a third one, and it was awful. Oh, well, we can get. Into, I don't know. No, I mean we'll get into that we'll later. Get into that, yeah. I, I, I generally am sort of the uh, the defender of the third one, and I, I may be doing this on on multiple podcasts throughout the, the course of the, the course of uh, the, this uh, the spring of Max or whatever we're going to call this time period Here's, that we're in. Sure. Now. Here's here's how I really look at it though, because I it, it occurred to me after watching all three of them in in one sitting uh, right. that that um, it kind of mimics the original Star Wars trilogy. Like you've got the first one, which was a a, a new a sort of new concept within that sort of uh, exploitation genre, and it was done in such a way that it was just like, whoa, this is kind of mind blowingly awesome. And then they made the second one, which is kind of like, if you compare to Empire Strike Back, it's a bit more polished. It's got this really kind of badass story, and and it's just high-octane throttle from start to finish. And then you got the third one, which has even more money thrown at it, but kind of a weak script and story that's sort of all over the place. It's like, it's not horrible. It's just not... It's just not the same or really even as good as the first two. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's all other sorts of things I know that sort of plagued that film, especially the uh, Tony, um, his producing partner, dying in a helicopter crash while searching for locations for the film. It's like really messed him up so that uh, George Miller only directed the action sequences of that third one. But... Um, but yeah, I don't know. That one's just so uneven as a result that it's like I just can't get into it most of the time. Okay, cool. Well, you want to test start off? Like I said, I, I rewatched uh, one and two mm-hmm. uh, about a year ago, back to back, and then um, was was in preparation of, of potentially doing a one a podcast just focused on the third one that I yep. I may still be doing at some point. <laughs> um, and then I watched the third one here just recently because it was you know made sense because the new mm-hmm. ones new ones going to be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's part of why I did it. I was just like, okay, well, might as well gear up for the new one and uh, get the other ones fresh in my memory to see how this one holds up. Absolutely. So why don't you why don't you take the lead here since they're fresher in your mind and uh, and, I, and I'll kind of uh, chime in a little more <laughs> when we get when we get to the third one. But uh, sure. 
but uh, so we start and it's the original Mad Max and right. What do we got? We got kind of a. It's not quite post-apocalyptic, but it's it's no. it's but almost it's like more depressing. Up. Oh yeah, it's, definitely. It's almost kind of especially now. It almost mimics like society as it's sort of going. Yeah, it's about <laughs> ten years from now. We're yeah. going to be right there, probably. <laughs> I think that's even what it says. Like, isn't that the first the first little sort of intertitle after the opening credits is not far off from now. Something like or something that. like that. It's it's I I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's like sometime after now, or something like that. <laughs> it's like, oh okay, this is gonna be interesting, and it really does kind of feel that way. Like there's you're you've got Australia, and it's being taken over by like gang gang activity and and lawlessness, and and the cops are really just like sort of. Like they're doing their jobs, but they still kind of have their own sort of corrupt way of 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 imagining that they're sort of um, I guess what's the the proper word here would be like they they have this illusion of invincibility and protection of their bronze badge and all that like and I just I love how they actually look like a gang themselves. They all have those those motorcycle jackets with the the big shoulder pads. Right <laughs> and shit, <laughs> and they—it's like even the the cap, the the chief, their boss looks like uh, <laughs> he looks like a guy from GI Joe cast or something, you know? Like, Absolutely, <laughs> with that big handlebar mustache and whatnot. Definitely, yeah. No, no, that's yeah. a good point you bring up about the the sort of uh, fire with fire kind of quality to it. I mean, you do get little bits of like there is this crumbling, the, the crumbling bureaucracy of an attempt at law and order and justice and i mean and they do try that with uh with johnny boy or whatever you yeah. know they bring the guy in but then mm -hmm. people are but too then scared. they just let him go yeah yeah because they're too afraid of the of the gang retaliating and then the gang retaliates anyway right <laughs> it's yeah. like and yeah i don't know i don't know what the whole spoiler thing here is i don't want to we, we, <laughs> we we're, we're talking about movies that are old in the series this and is I, true. I, I also have said pretty much like i just recorded one about the avengers or whatever and I'm yeah. like, it's a feudal podcast. We, we we talk about the movies, so we just talk about the movies. So if you haven't right. seen the movie, you're going to get some spoilers. Right. I figure, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what would be, okay, if there were a modern movie that came out with a, you know, I am your father equivalent, I mm -hmm. might hold back on that or right. mention that at the end of the review. But that's about the level of which I'm, you know, I, that's about the level at which I worry about spoilers. And certainly not for older movies. Oh, yeah. So I think you want to, let's really just get into it. Let's really dive sure. in and, and do, the, uh, well, yeah. do the deep picture work here on this. The deep picture. That's uh, the oh, term I'm making part. up, I think. <laughs> I think the big picture shape. feels too broad. The deep picture, get, get <laughs> deep, deep into the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the car, the car chases and choreography and, and the editing in that first one. It's like, because you know they did it on a shoestring budget. They... When they first even got the money to produce it, I heard that it was like everybody was like, "What the hell are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> what is this? These like biker gangs with this this creepy, soft speaking, like makeup wearing dude named the Toe Cutter and like <laughs> the Night Rider and and like Bubba Zanetti, who sends like, but their accents are." Are, are so Australian that you're not sure if he's saying Bubba or Baba. <laughs> it's like, um, that's another thing. Okay, so so I pre-ordered and got the the 
newly released Blu-ray. I think Scream Factory released it. And it looks fantastic, I must say. Because um, I think until now, I've, I, I've seen a print of it once, and then I've seen uh, the old washed-out VHS, you know, smashed into to the 4-3 pan-and-scan aspect ratio crap. Right, the TV edition almost. <laughs> yeah, and I noticed when I was checking the audio, and I, 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 now I want to watch it again like this, that there's, there's an American dub over. Right. Because, because the American distributors thought nobody would understand the Australian accents in the film. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like now I kind of want to watch that and see like how different the uh, the audio is. Yeah, who knows? I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's just as bad as the old anime dubs uh, or whatever. Oh yeah, probably. But um, other theme thematically, there's something I also kind of noticed about those first two movies. There's there's this really strange sort of homoeroticism of the villains that isn't quite there in the hero cast. Did you ever notice that? Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's pretty blatant. Like when he grabs Johnny one. Boy, when he, but even in the first, it's really blatant in that first one, like how he grabs Johnny Boy when they're on the beach. Right, like, maybe. Takes him into the water and sticks the shotgun in his mouth, and he's like, close your sweet, sweet mouth. <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. It's like, whoa. It's, and then they just walk off into the water. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> kind of strange. But... But it's just something I kept noticing. Like there, there's this really strangely effeminate quality about the bad guys in the story. Yeah, it's like they're still they're still kind of like psychopathic uh, rapists. Yeah, rapists and murderers. But there's something bizarrely effeminate about them, and I I don't want to like start throwing out like oh what the fuck is this kind of cards. But it definitely kind of struck me as odd, and I never really thought about it before now and um right I think it, yeah. it, it seems like a, a way to um i mean you could relate it to the whole idea of like prison mentality things sure. um, get, get the, the familiar familial incestual qualities of i mean i don't really know i haven't gotten into a lot of the psychology of, of, of gangs or any yeah. of that stuff but i'm sure some of that's there and mm -hmm. i mean and, and speaking of the first movie i think you get a little bit of that in in the corollary of the the police unit too. I mean, oh, yeah. it's it's sort of a oh god, a bro a bro bromancy kind of yeah. stuff a little bit. Um, yeah, well, I mean, definitely Max and Goose have that sort of thing going on. They're just like but like such bros with each other. Right, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But then there's even the scene when Max is talking to the chief before he goes on his vacation, where he basically where he wants to quit. Yeah, and it's like the chief is at the top of a set of stairs wearing leather pants no shirt and a, a strange looking scarf and some necklaces and holding a watering can yeah. <laughs> it's like they have this whole scene like that it's very <laughs> it's weird like, it's so strange and yet it feels like totally natural at the same time like you could actually imagine some big butch motherfucker sitting there holding a watering can in his hand like he just got interrupted watering his flowers <laughs> like yeah, it's it's and the whole setting is just so strange. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean. That's what I think is one of the more the fairly effective things about about the series in general is that not only is it a lived in world, but there's something authentic about 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 what's happening there. Like they, these guys have their 
police headquarters in like what is essentially like an abandoned building or something. It's just run yeah. down, you know. So Goose is still watering some plants every now and again. But <laughs> he's taking care of it. He's tending to his little thing. Yeah. But it's like it's all very, it's very dismal and, and war torn and, yeah. and kind of just very drab yeah. <laughs> which make, going, makes it kind of a bummer of a movie there's not a lot of there's, oh, no, yeah, real lev- there's no levity in this first one at all oh not at all i mean and and really it's like if you want to i mean in in a post breaking bad world that's kind of what it is it's breaking max max goes from being this good idealistic cop with a family living on at his beach house in this beautiful area just outside of the the sort of decaying society around him and he just gets everything ripped away until he goes mad. Exactly. <laughs> and, he, and then instead of, doesn't even give a shit at that point. He's like, okay, I got my car, I got my gun, I'm going to take all these motherfuckers out. And he just does it. And he does it so efficiently, too. You're just like, wow. <laughs> like, it's great. And then that leads into the, and it's and it's crazy because so here he is left he's he gets his revenge, and then now what what has he got left, and it's like almost a perfect lead in to the Road Warrior, because he it's like this event shaped him to be able to survive this impending apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, and I, mean, I was just checking on Wikipedia just to kind of remind myself about a few things, and. Uh, I don't know where the time frames are set up, but apparently uh, the Road Warrior is supposed to be about five years after the end of the first Mad Max. So yeah. the actual pox eclipse has, has happened <laughs> in, that, in, in that time. And they set it up with a little intro, a little voiceover thing to kind of lay yeah. out, like, so the energy crisis or whatever that was going on in the first one causing, you know, a lot of this gang violence and generally just, like, leading to major collapse of society um, kind of hit on in full and that was the yeah. end of that you know Warren led to fight and then that was damn near the death of us all yeah and then they just blew the hell out of all the the big cities and everybody just had to go into the outback to live yeah the, <laughs> the remnants of the survivors you know you know because yeah. they had, they were nothing at the beginning and then right and, and then, then survived <laughs> and then how crazy is it that even after this insane apocalypse happens we have these roving gangs of people all just battling it out for gasoline. You're right. It's like that even after all of that, everybody's still going for that, trying to get the oil, trying to get the gasoline. It's like, again, this weird mimic of, of where we're at now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, like it's, it makes the movies all the more like possible, which is creepy in its own yeah. way. It's like, cause back then it's like an utter fantasy. Like you, like, if you were in 1981 and were thinking that this was going to happen, you must have been out of your mind. But now it really feels like, wow, you know, this kind of could, I could see it going this way. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, well, history shit. can kind of history can kind of work in cycles like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they, uh, when they wrote the first one, uh, that, you know, they were referencing things that were going on in that, in that energy crisis of the 70s. And so yeah. the way that the, the behavior, people were behaving when they were in petrol lines and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's that for sure. I mean, I think, uh, I think yeah, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a whole... And, of course, the greatest irony is that they're, they're using these insane gas guzzler machines yeah. going in crazy runs to try to save the, 
the, oh, yeah. the fuel that they have. I mean, yeah, I, which is they're, they're like chasing each other down, wasting all their gas. It's like that's what I thought at the very end of the Road Warrior too, like that big epic chase right. for the tanker full of, of nothing. <laughs> right. And it's like all this death and destruction and all this gas gets wasted, and then they just turn around and go back to wherever. Yeah. Because, you know, they're all going to run out of gas pretty soon and die on the wasteland. It's like, that's the, that's the only place it could go from there. It's like, oh, man, oh, that's just kind of great. In a, in a weird way, it almost like if you really like get into the psychology, it's it, I mean, yes, it's it's the it's the will to power. It's having having the actual energy to and the mobility that that, that comes with that with, mm-hmm. with the gasoline. But it's almost just like this kind of last vestige of humanity just fighting it out for something. Because, like, what, what else are they going to do? You know, they're out, they're out in the middle of the outback. They're out in these wasteland areas separated. So it's not like there's anywhere all that great for them to go once they get yeah. the fuel. I mean, they hinted, it, I guess, in, um, in Road Warrior, the idea of, you know, the, the establishment of the northern tribe or whatever. Right. That may, maybe if you get to, to the ocean. Which then I wonder, like, what – so so then – that that's also what I always wondered about the Road Warrior. I mean, I know I'm like skipping over a lot of the Road Warrior because I feel like the movie just totally speaks for itself. It's it's a fantastic action adventure story. It's basically Yojimbo in the outback. In right. The yeah. It's it's Yojimbo. Like, it's like uh, I, yeah. I mean a handful of and, westerns. You know. You oh yeah. Defend and it, the fort. It, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's the most in, stylistically. It's his most informed by Kurosawa. Like flat out. Like he shares the the side wipes and up and down wipes and such that using that big scope aspect ratio and and just his the way he composes the shots in that movie too are just just fucking fantastic um it really is like a genre film that sort of breaches past that like typical popcorn quality of of a movie and and is just a good damn film so, and at least that's my opinion on that one, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and that's generally the agreed place. I think that the second one is is the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy. Exactly. It's considered by most to be the uh, the the best the best of of three. I mean, because because sure. thematically, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple and strong. I mean, it's hitting on those. You know, on the Yojimbo plot and westerns and things, which is just go-to good material. You know, you got your lone guy that kind of comes in and helps people um, at some point, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that same thing. Like, he's there at first sort of just to serve himself or, like, which way am I going to go? I'm going to go where I find gas. So he goes that direction. Then he sees the two warring factions. He doesn't really want anything to do with either of them. He just wants the gasoline. Right. So it's like it's a bit more, I would say, fistful of dollarsy than than straight up Yojimbo. Cause right. He's not really playing both sides down the middle. Exactly. He he just is trying to serve himself, and um, which is yeah, it definitely has that sort of spaghetti western. Those early ones like uh, that one and Django, same sort of quality. And it's only until he gets his ass beat that he comes back and decides all right i'm just gonna do the good i'm gonna do this thing right yeah screw it what what else have i got to lose a lot my v8's gone my dog's dead let's do it (laughs) you know let's let's do it (laughs) like he's like all right i'm pissed let's go max is mad again (laughs) you know 
And that like, is the thing. Yeah, it's a funny time yeah. because he's so he's so sort of detached and stoic for the most part. Even in the first movie, you know, with yeah. the wife and the child, I think. And yeah. um, that's that's tricky because it's tough to kind of get behind a protagonist. Uh, and I'd say in the first movie, and to a degree in the second movie, Max is the proper protagonist of the two right. stories, um, who's just kind of operating it like, you know, at a four <laughs> in terms of yeah. intensity. I mean, yeah. he'll, he'll do some intense things and his actions speak oh, yeah. far more than his words. Um, that by that last third of the movie, it's just turn it up to eleven. Yeah, <laughs> let's kill yeah. everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> drive, drive, go, oh, go, man. and get them. It's like, it's like, oh, you've got a, a car going with at me front, full on with nitro. I've got a bulldozer attached to the front of my Mack truck. Who do you think's <laughs> gonna win this fight? <laughs> Definitely. Oh man. And then, and then this sort of, um, I don't know, I. Uh, the ending is good too because there's a the, like with the first the first one has just got kind of a straight up nihilism to its yeah. ending and oh yeah and, it and, and it's just yeah it, it yeah. ends with him just driving into the just escaping the whole society is shot who cares he leaves the guy the rusty hacksaw and tells him you can probably cut through your arm or you know, your you leg or whatever your leg in about three minutes if you're lucky yeah, yeah. um and then he just drives away with the explosion going off in the background yeah it's like, and uh, and then the second one has got kind of a kind of a you know because there is a redemptive quality to, to, yeah. to Max's actions, but then the actual conclusion of the fact that he was being used by those people still as a decoy, yeah, uh, and it was essentially betrayed by them, mm -hmm. is uh, is also pretty uh, pretty I guess cynical and and you know kind of reaffirms the idea that you know Max Max saved them, but. Not but, really by choice at that point. Right. I don't know that he was ready for that yet. No, yeah. Well, I always think that he he's kind of like the be, he's always been the begrudging, like savior. Oh, absolutely. He, he never has any intention to help these any of these people, and he just can't help himself because that's his nature. Right. You know, it's like I mean, no matter how much he tries to just be that loner and and not get attached to anything, he always has to. He ends it like even in the third one, he has to save save the kid. Yep. You know, yeah. and like, that's a good, that's a good lead in, I think, there, and that's probably why I have. Uh, I mean, I, I I have a an affinity for the third one, <laughs> partially because I saw it first. That's I remember. I've my, my mom that. my mom rented it when yep. we were kids, and we all watched it as a family, and we we all <laughs> enjoyed it, and because it's it's got more humor. It sure. does. It, it, well, yeah, it's, it's an it, '80s. It's like yeah. so rife with '80s. Like whereas oh, the first, whereas the Road Warrior is the very beginning of the '80s, so it still sort of has that '70s, late '70s feel to it. Definitely. Whereas, and but then once you get to to Thunderdome, you're just like full on. It's 1985 or 80, 83 or 84. I can't remember somewhere it's in there. 85. 85? Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's 1985, Tina Turner, like... Right, and Warner <laughs> Brothers is, is involved, it's yep. a, a big studio. It's You've a got... big budget movie. Yeah, and, it is. And it's specifically a big budget popcorn movie, like... Right. But yeah, I... But yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a good a good lead in there. Right. Um, because, because but I mean... I've, I've noticed what you just said, like, so many people, every time I make my little grudging, like, I don't like Thunderdome statement... And then it goes further into conversation about that with anybody who's like an ardent 
like defender of the film. That's right. the common, the two most common factors are one, that was the first film they saw as a kid and two, their mom loved it and brought it to them. It, I know that sounds weird, especially on mother's day. Like, cause that's what I'm watching them. Right. But, but that's where I differ. Like I, I remember the first one I ever saw was the road warrior. Okay. And my dad just came across it on cable or satellite or something right. like it that. It was the big one on that. That was where I was really discovered. Yeah. And it was like, and, and he was, and he just like, even though I was probably like 13 at the time when I saw it, he was like, have you ever seen this movie? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he just said, we're watching this movie. And we watched the movie. And oh. I was just like, mind, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. I just loved that movie. And then when I finally did see Thunderdome, like I saw Mad Max next and I was like, oh, okay, I see how these are related. And then I saw Thunderdome and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, like, it's just, it's like, it was so much more farcical, I guess. And, and more like, a, like instead of like this gritty nihilistic post-apocalyptic world, it was this fantasy post-apocalyptic world. And then you've got this sort of weird Lord of the Flies lost boys thing thrown in there. And, and, right. and it all somehow is supposed to come together, but in sort of a flimsy way. <laughs> Yeah, and, I hear I hear that. I mean, but then and, those action sequences, though, goddamn, George Miller directed the hell out of those action sequences. Right. And I'll give the, him that. The whole, um, I mean, Ebert liked it, and and he yeah. said he said that the staging and the actual uh, of the Thunderdome fight itself was just mm-hmm. a very original. The idea that these guys oh, yeah. are strung up with these elastic cords, and that, that you know all the people, the audience is essentially almost kind of part of of it, and there's weapons hanging yeah. from the sides and. I mean, so, so, so yeah, so you're right. The, the action sequence of the Thunderdome is good. I think, uh, f- for me, the more I've thought about it, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you up. The look, I love the look. I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm a child of the 80s, Spielberg, all that stuff. It definitely has a feel like that more than the other two. Mm-hmm. And not, I think that the look of all three mm-hmm. is appropriate for, that mo- for those movies. Either right. One looks a certain way because it was made a certain way, and yes... And, and that fits right, and and two is it fits fits right, and I think three works too. And you talk about that like the the humor and it kind of almost farcical elements, mm-hmm. and I mean the way I look at it is it's like if you start a storyline. I mean most po- uh, uh, there's very few stories I think that really are this kind of post apocalyptic story that goes on for a series of movies. It's usually mm-hmm. like by the end of the first post-apocalyptic movie, oh, we found the savior of whatever, you know? I mean, The Matrix right. kind of works that way. Or even something like Children of Men kind of works that way. Right. Um, so what Miller was in an interesting place here with the first one being so overwhelmingly drab and, and nihilistic yeah. and, and at, the, at the cusp, at the precipice of the end of things, mm-hmm. and then the second one hits it so strongly. So then by the third one, it's apparently supposed to be 15 years after Road Warrior. Yeah. And Max has, you know, gotten pretty scruffy, and he's, you know, got his camels on his yeah, on his, on his wagon. <laughs> raggedy man. Mm-hmm, he's the raggedy man. And yeah. it's sort of like, well, okay, you really have to ask yourself, two movies into this, into this world, where are people going to be? And right. and I feel like an infusion of some humor is a nice break. Um and, and I think it punctuates things that allows for maybe a more comp- complex drama in some cases, too. And then you, you know, you're introduced to the idea of, uh, of civilization and of recovery. 
because uh, that's kind of, I mean, it's like, what's the upshot? People are still alive. Uh, you know, you chase around for gas, you do whatever. Well, and how great is it that when they create this society and they have their little town, and which is supposedly functioning, they've got right. a barter town. Yeah, they've got an energy source. They've got all this sort of stuff figured out, and then they just revert back to the same sort of shit that destroyed society in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> it's like because it's, and it's like it's almost, in a way, weirdly like reflective of of you like let's just take Australia as as a continent. Like it was a convict colony, that was then brought sort of forced to become a society, over time. And that's yeah. got a weird kind of, that's got a weird sort of, of effect on the psyche, I guess, of of people in Australia. It's like I, I, there's this band I was listening to, and I remember uh, called Anne Horse, and I remember there's a line in one of their songs about I guess it, I guess it's just my convict blood. And it's like so there's like still this echo of history going on in Absolutely. in the, art, in the, just the location too. I mean, you're not in a in a place that's going to. Yeah. You're not in a lush valley where you yeah. can grow grow a lot of food. I mean, there's just not a lot of resources. Yeah, I mean, they call the readily bush. available for life. You know exactly. I mean, they call the outback the bush because nothing can live out there except for bushes and yeah, like right. <laughs> shrubs and and like animals that have adapted to living there for millions of years. Not, you know, the biggest scariest spiders on the freaking planet. Right. <laughs> like that sort of stuff. And, so, um, so you've got Max arriving at Bartertown after he's had his camel, camels and his, his wagons camels. stolen yeah. by, by Bruce Spence, who's inexplicably not playing the same character that he was playing in, yeah, right, <laughs> in Road Warrior. Yeah, right, sort of is, but sort of isn't. It's, yeah. That's what was really confusing to me. I was like, is he There's a few to... things that Miller ha does do that makes it tough to kind of connect the dots in terms of it uh -huh. being like, it affects the quote-unquote trilogy credibility of the, right. the storylines. But whatever, it's neither here nor there. I mean, yeah, um, it's like the only character that's supposed to have any continuity is Max. Like all, much, all the other yeah. characters are just superfluous. Yeah, all, absolutely. All Miller's interested is in Max. Right. So you have, you know, you, know you, you hit it with that opening track, which I love. I just, I, I just, <laughs> I, that's just such an intense, intense, intense song. I mean, like I said, I, I I'd apologetically really do enjoy a lot of. A lot of whether it's cheesy or whether it's wh whatever stuff in the movie, and I find that it's it's effective. And, and, and be because you're right, you get into this idea of civilization, the barter town. If you're gonna if you're gonna be there, you're gonna trade. You're not gonna you're gonna keep your weapons out, which is something that's always goes back to all kinds of westerns. I mean, something like Unforgiven or something. There's this weird kind of like pacifist fascism, maybe where it's like we're gonna you can't we take your guns away and then everything's okay, kind of sort of. And they've got, you know, the Thunderdome, you, you know, two men enter, one man leaves, and it's explained yeah. by, by our announcement guy, our, our used car salesman, about how this, this will lead, this is how we stay civilized, is through this Thunderdome. This idea that two, two people will fight to the death, there is no yep. rules, and yeah. then, then that's how things are decided. And it gets to this, this. Well, this... and then how, like, if somebody breaks the rules, it's still further decided by a wheel of death. <laughs> like, right, yeah, a wheel of all like, kinds okay. of, of, of things on it. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. and, and they're disproportionately sized. I really paid attention to the wheel this time when I watched yeah. it. 
because well first it's an amazing looking scene with the way the yeah. light hits and, and stuff yep. but yep. um like like auntie's choice is like yeah, a bigger like what, chunk of the pie the auntie's choice be like yeah <laughs> and like... then gulag is actually pretty small which is what max yeah. gets which just essentially means exile yeah. so so yeah break a deal spin the wheel two men enter one man leave yeah. there are these slogans that people oh, are using it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's how you're so controlling <laughs> it's how you control your society like you said um you know yeah. you have energy and and master blaster you know it has a mind and then has has the the power has has blaster this strong man that he can use to, to c control things you know and auntie yeah. has this um you know she put all everything together you know and, and so already you're getting quote unquote antagonists that are coming from a more complex place and that's cool that's good like you know she She's just trying to hold the society together, and this is the way she thinks she needs to do it because, you know, she survived and she's a survivor, you know, like Tina Turner really is. <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, and the little guy has the mind to make this stuff happen, but, and then has, has some arrogance too, and so it's kind of like, how do we... Well, it's like you've got the politician and the scientist. Yep, exactly. You know? and, and that's even what's one of the, that, that jowly British... Dude, that he's like, it's just we need you to settle a political matter, like yeah, that exactly, whole thing. Exactly, like, yeah. and it's like, here's Max getting used by people again because all he wants is to get his shit back. Right. <laughs> it's like exactly. it just keeps happening to him. He's he's almost kind of like John McClane in that way, <laughs> you know? He's like right. the same, always in the wrong place at the wrong time, having to save the fucking world. <laughs> like. <laughs> I kind of like that sort of Though stuff. he is being fairly proactive in this case. He's coming there, so sure. he has skills to trade, you know, which are his his, his reflexes. He survives the audition and all that. Right. Um, so that's good. But, 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 I mean, so you're establishing this world. You establish the Thunderdome. You establish Barter Town as this fairly, still fairly cynical place uh, uh, with a group of adults trying to do what adults will do uh, that have survived through the the apocalypse and remember how things were and, remember, and are scared of how things might be again. And, and so, you know, Max gets into it with, with, uh, with blaster. And then when you, the big reveal that it, blaster is, you know, this, this mentally challenged guy yeah. and Max stops, like he's not going to do that. And, and, yeah. you know, blaster makes the point or master makes the point, you know, he's got the mind of a child. And yeah. so you're hitting on, on an idea there of sort of, I mean, I guess kind of an innocence there and, and it's pretty loose and then just basic sort of, sort of a decency and the manipulation of, of the quote unquote of the, of the masses or of the stupid people by the, the smarter people. I mean, and Max gets that. And so he's not going to be a party to that. Yeah. And so then he's abandoned. Then he's, you know, He's, he's kicked off and he then gets he gets found by children yeah and people hate the children and i get that people can find the children tedious you know, i find I that <clears throat> i don't think I too yeah i don't think i so much hate the children so much as i think they just are so left field out of place it's I can like see that. and 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 at the same time though there is this sort of weird mimicry going on like here you've got these kids who've created their own sort of lord of the flies neverland whatever living in this beautiful valley and on a river like and they want to leave that and go back to the city right 
because they've been passing because they were basically just dumped there by a dude on an airplane yeah. years ago, which is very Lord of the Flies. And and I read somewhere else somebody or somebody because I I made a comment on my Facebook I was you know doing a whole play by play of each movie and and I mentioned how after six hours later I'm still not a fan of the Thunderdome and one of my friends made a comment about how Warner Brothers was trying to make an adaptation of Lord of the Flies for a while at that point and it just sort of since since George Miller was still so broken up over losing his buddy in a helicopter accident he just sort of just uh, he wasn't paying attention to any of that other story stuff they were doing he's like I'm going to direct these action sequences but but I'm done with this script as far as I've taken it so so they sort of snuck that in there just to see how it would play maybe I think. like yes I mean eventually that picture did get made and I, and I had yeah. read that book it was a while ago though I mean yeah. and, I, and you're right there, I, there's definitely the lost boy thing there's elements of Lord of the Flies but without the you know Without the inevitable collapse, real sinister collapse. Yeah, and and I think that that's important. There's there's good conflict there, Mm -hmm. and and it's interesting because I think the third movie, Max isn't really the protagonist. I think that there's sort of a a dueling antagonism going on, uh, in in a strange kind of indirect way between, I mean, two women essentially. Mm -hmm. You've got you've got Auntie, the you know older cynical adult, trying to build and maintain something for herself and then you've got savannah this younger woman who's sort of the de facto mother for this tribe of children Mm -hmm. and trying to get to what they call the tomorrow tomorrow land you know someplace better someplace that where they can maybe start to build something new and so you talk about it being out of left field but i feel like when you're at this third movie and you've started from such a cynical place Mm-hmm. You and they're you establish that they're trying to insert some hope into it. Like well, I, they, they, got, they got no choice not to. I mean, how do you conclude an apocalypse trilogy? <laughs> I mean, I could, I could go there, but yeah. I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to see my movie. So. Well, exactly. No, no. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> the, the problem with with dark and gritty is that it just keeps getting dark and gritty and dark and gritty, and then you get yeah. desensitized to it. And I mean, it also becomes kind of like. Okay, I mean, you know, we've all gone through our cynical phases in life, and, you know, sometimes they last and sometimes they don't, and we learn to incorporate them and become adults, you know, and that's kind of part of growing up, is, you know, learn that not, you know, being cynical usually means you're going to be right, but it doesn't always mean that you're going to be right, and it, it isn't all there is to life. Like I said, I, I just, I don't know, it's, I just, I get, I get pulled out really easily by that, that sequence, and funny enough, I, I kept feeling like, uh, when I was listening to the way they talk, <laughs> like Cassie turned to me, she's like, what the hell are they saying? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand this, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, the segments from Cloud Atlas. With, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's definitely Speak that. And... The true, true, <laughs> like, all that shit. But um, kind of their own weird half-assed language because they were all so young, probably when right. they got dumped off that they've never read a book or anything. Yeah, or or that just you know they're high. They never got to a higher education, and it's like they had to learn their own education and develop, evolve on their own, so to speak. And and while that is all interesting, it, it I feel like it's just a different movie, 
at that point until it they and, and that becomes back a, to that, barter town by necessity right. and then it turns into a okay well we're back here fuck it let's just kidnap let's get max's stuff back finally and let's yeah. kidnap the mastermind <laughs> who yeah. through the course of leaving barter town goes from from being like you know in that weird helmet glasses uh leather bondage gear stuff to a nice a nice gray tweed suit <laughs> right well, well he's not, not and glasses because he's, he's, he's a civilized because he's a civilized man and he's no longer waist deep in pig shit exactly, <laughs> exactly. so that that's pretty justifiable no i mean i think um you're right it's uh, but i do like that they escaped got, on a train yeah that's cool inexplicably a truck, tra- a truck stuck train. up yeah which is inexplicably stuck up by a by the kid of the pilot <laughs> like in a way like just just to sort of justify a way for them to get out of there on a plane right well i mean that was the end of the line too like literally yeah. that was the, the, tra- the tracks ended so yeah. it kind of didn't matter if the, it yeah. was just funny funny that the kid was there yeah um uh, and, and i mean and the momentum is strong for that that last bit i think you're right the the, the problem is that as a movie it starts and it starts strong and the, and, the, and it works well and it feels like you get this world you're introduced to the world of the Thunderdome and then the Thunderdome fight happens you know like in the first act and so th- there's there's it, it's paced strangely you don't you know because you almost get like you said a second sort of the second act starts sort of a second movie which is mm-hmm. this, this tale of these children you're introduced to another but but and what it's doing there, I feel you know it's obviously it's you know you're forced to draw the parallelism between the children's society and the adult society, mm-hmm. and maybe which one which one is going to be needed to try to build a real future for mm-hmm. humanity to try to climb its way up from all of the terrible poxiclipse that happened. Uh, you know, to get quote, beyond the Thunderdome, beyond the idea of two men enter, one man leaves, <laughs> to solve all problems, beyond these simple slogans of things, and who's to say that the children will be more successful at that? I, I think it still lands in a fairly dismal place. I mean, Sydney doesn't look like the greatest place to live. I figured out what it really is that bothers me about Thunderdome, and I think it's because it is it's a because of what happened to George Miller in his personal life that sort of prevented him from being the sole director of the film. And, and my problem with it ultimately is that he, his sensibilities are so right there. And I think he would, is such like for that story, for that world he created, he really is the only person that can properly tell those stories. So it's like maybe if he had directed the whole thing, he would have brought something to those scenes that was missing. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, like that's like I, you know, like I feel like he would have done something a bit differently. And it's tough just to in say, the, but yeah, just in the development of all that. Right. And it is tough to say, but he, I, you he, know, he I, I don't, play, I don't right? feel like he would have gone as schmaltzy in certain ways that that the other director sort of went performance-wise, you know? It's possible. Like, because if, if you watch The Road Warrior and Mad Max, it's like there are these tender moments in there and things like that, but they don't feel cheesy, you know? 
and they don't feel like they're designed to get a laugh out of you. They're funny because they're funny and you get a laugh. You know, you don't feel like you're sort of being led in any way, shape, or form. He's just giving you this story in this world. And I think that's where the other director's sort of style and influence just kind of kills Thunderdome for me in a lot of ways. Because yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm, in all honesty, it's like I'm really conflicted about that movie. It's like there's, at times I want to like the movie, and then it does something that just utterly annoys the hell out of me. And I'm like, God damn it, why did you have to do that? You know, like, right. so... So yeah, like that's that's sort of that's where I am at at that movie. I think there's a lot of meat there, and it just didn't quite get cooked right. I can see that, <laughs> and that's always a tough thing thing too, because you know the hypothetical better version of something is always going to be better, but it's always going to be hypothetical. Yeah. And I mean, right. Miller co-wrote the screenplay with I believe the yeah. same guy that he wrote Road Warrior with. So in terms of well, there's two. He actually co-wrote it with two people. Oh, okay. According to the credits, I right. mean, I. It's 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 debatable how much he actually wrote if if even some one of those co-writers just stuck shit in since he was like fuck it it's in production I'm only doing this if you guys want to do that do it like so I don't know I don't know I like, maybe I need to research the actual production of that movie a bit more to have right. it more well I mean you, it will be an interesting yeah. an interesting test in your thing because I mean as far as I know Fury Road is all George Miller oh it's all George Miller. so yeah. we'll see I mean I, I though I feel like he's probably I mean the real question will be is it just going to be everyone loves Road Warrior and that's what we're going to just do more of I've heard it's just you know one long car chase so everyone likes the car chases I mean I don't know if it's like I said I mean you're doing another I mean it, I well, and that's I, I won't know till I see it, and so I can't talk same, about it, you know? Same. I'm actually really curious to see if this is, like, supposed to be a continuation of the world, or if this is a reboot. Right. I, I, the way I like a, feel, I'll bet it's going to be a soft continuation, like, post-Road Warrior, not counting Thunderdome. That's how, that's how it kind of appears think so? to me. I think so. I think he's got the car again at the, from from some of the shots. Which who cares? Like you know, Bruce Spence might be in it again as somebody. I think the yeah. same guy that played Toe Cutters in it. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I, I don't know that that character is going to be in it again. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. Right. But who knows? So I mean, even if you think about the original trilogy, there's elements there that, that like I said, don't gel from from a trilogy credibility standpoint. So uh, it would be tough to say if it's going to you know what it's going to count and what it's not going to count. Uh, we'll just have to see. Um, right. But, I mean, for, I guess from my, my perspective, it's just, yeah, it's not perfect, and there are parts that are kind of annoying, and it is kind of hodgepodgey, and it does suck that that, that, that Brian died, and uh, so he, uh, you know, wasn't able to get the whole team he had for the first two and, and really make the movie that maybe he wanted to make, but... I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, and then I mean, oh, in, the, in the wiki, I didn't see anything about any sort of disavowing or George Miller being unhappy with 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 with, with it, with that version. Right. So I don't really. I mean, I can't speak. Well, to yeah, it. and I mean, we are talking about the guy who wrote and directed Happy Feet and, and Babe, Happy right? Too, and Babe. Yeah. He didn't direct the first one, though. Apparently, he oh, directed then, the second okay. one. Okay. Well, <laughs> he, yeah. he like wrote and produced the first one. He's a strange guy. Direct. Yeah, very interesting because yeah. he, he's a he was a, he was a physician. He, he, he's mm -hmm. a, an emergency room physician, so he saw all yep. this stuff happening. Yeah. And. Yeah, like that. That's that's and that's very informed in those car crash 
sequences right. in so, Mad Max too. Like you really see how people just get destroyed, demolished. Right. In these and, and but it's also just just a bizarre thing for somebody like that. You know, somebody from that from that that field, that area. You know, coming from a science, coming from from a, a whole professional right. world that has nothing to do with you know cinema and art school or any of that kind of crap. So, right. uh, so in that sense, you know, I. I I think that yeah, he, him as a creator is, is is an interesting interesting guy, and I'm definitely interested to see where things go with the, the fourth one. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I just I mean, Max actually does uh, just to conclude the, the whole trilogy. I mean, he he actively takes on uh, sort of a redemptive quality at the end of the second of this third one, you know, and he sacrifices himself so that they, they can all get away and is left at the mercy of Auntie who. Decides to no connection. One more time. Okay, well, <laughs> we're almost at an hour, and I'm going to try to get this thing yeah, posted like tonight. So, okay, so yeah, and yeah, so there is the redemptive thing, uh, which which I like, and I mean, and I I. I I'll, I'll eat up the popcorn in this in this case or in a lot of cases and even some of the schmaltz because it still feels because um, we're especially looking at, at the other two mm-hmm. it's just like there's you, you need to have some I mean what's we're how do, we got to get beyond Thunderdome people we right. <laughs> there's got to be uh, and there's no kind of I mean you're right now maybe Miller would have been more elegant about it right. I don't know I mean could it have been more elegant yes but also it's still trying to come in at a certain time and 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 fit its fit its you know fit its role, and you do get those. I mean, like you know, Max introduces the gun concept to the children, so we've already already it's they're probably better off that he didn't make it on the plane, to be honest, because who's to say that yeah. he wouldn't have just infused their new society with something that just didn't need to be part of it, and that's very much an old western thing, you know, you know, it's this, this, the the um, searchers, you know, the John Wayne character that. No longer belongs in this new world, um, <laughs> and so in that sense, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. But there is a little bit of sweetness in the uh, in the conclusion of this of the trilogy, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that, I think I like that. I like that as being something different for a, um, an apocalypse series because right. being gritty and rough all the time is almost kind of easy. <laughs> right. And they, and it, to me, it was the real challenge, and I, I feel like they accomplished it. They accomplished it well enough. With you know, they still arrive and they've just got a few lights and a couple of war torn buildings, and who knows that it's going to amount to anything or what it's going to turn into. Right. right. Um, which is, you know, I mean, and I'm interested if if he's going to do much with those themes in the new one. If the new one is just a glorified car chase movie, it might be fun to watch, but mm-hmm. I feel like some of that thematic stuff is kind of what elevated the series, and I'm hoping that we get some more of that. So, I don't know. That's all I really have to say. About yeah. That. It's a good series. It's an interesting series. Um, that's that's it. I mean, and, and you can't overestimate the uh, just the difficulty of the, the, the stunt work and everything right. else. Well, and I mean, part of, and that's another thing to really get, I mean, we shouldn't go into it too hard, but something that no matter what I love about those films is how every everything in them is a practical effect. There are no because it's before CGI and all that, and it just look. It still holds up. Those effects look so cool. 
Those right. stunts look so cool and feel so real because they are real. And and you can't you can't take that away from those movies. It's like where you watch like a lot of these like the Avengers and these superhero popcorn movies. It's like half most of it is just shot on a green screen yeah. with some wire work and and stuff like that. It, there's no it just doesn't it feels plastic and it looks plastic. And I'm really that's another thing I'm really looking forward to and hoping for with this next one because i know of course there's going to be some stuff that is not practical i mean you can't you'd spend too much money otherwise but that he's claimed that 90 percent of the of the effects and stunts in the film are practical effects so i mean 90 percent 90 percent compared to 10 percent is pretty fucking awesome (laughs) like which is what most other movies are these days. So, so right. I hope it. It's I an accomplishment well. too. I really do. I, I and I, as far as I've heard, a lot of people so far have been, been enjoying it. Who've been seeing the pre, the pre, uh, release screenings and such as that. Uh, I work with a, a guy who's a projectionist for the the El Capitan Theater, so he's seen it a couple times, just testing it for the production studios. And he said to me that it's not bad. Like he he. You know, he's an older guy. He's like 60 years old, so he still likes the originals like right. the most. And I think a lot of people are still going to always prefer the the original trilogy over over this new one in all likelihood. But I but I get am getting the feeling that it definitely is gonna gonna remind us that these movies are awesome. Sure. Yeah. And, and, the <laughs> and let's make more big. movies like this instead of continuing to throw all of our money at marvel films you know right yeah i mean it just comes down to you know it comes down to all the elements of aristotle's poetics we know it (laughs) car chases was in there somewhere i'm pretty sure it was a subcategory of spectacle yeah and i mean the same with the new star wars i mean it, it, it but even more so with the star with um with Max, it's just surprising that he was able to finally pull this off because yeah, twenty-five it, years of development hell. Yeah, and five—that's insane. Then to be able to <laughs> then to be able to do it, I mean, it's a lot of ifs going on there. I mean, like you said, I think that the yeah. the fourth one or the third one didn't hit as big with, as the second one, and so and it was so eighty, you know, eighty-five, and and it's like wow. You want to do all this stuff for real? I could see yeah. a lot of fights probably were going on. We're like, well, well just you're in a desert anyway. We can just CG the desert, and it's like, no, we're gonna go out. <laughs> we're gonna do this stuff. So, yeah, I think um, I think we'll, we'll have to definitely give it a lot of credit for that. And right. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, we'll, thanks for getting together with me and uh, we'll doing this one. Hell yeah, dude.